Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you this morning. Beautiful Sunday morning. Christmas is only a few weeks away, and I have a Christmas, sort of Christmas message to share with you. I preached a uh, version of this message a couple years ago at chapel, and um, I would like to share it with you this morning. I hope it's not too early to have a message that is sort of a Christmas message. The title of this message is Receiving the Gift of Peace. Peace is a central theme to the Christmas story. Isaiah prophesied about it. He talked about the coming of the Prince of Peace. He said there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. And of course, the angels sang about peace on earth. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, after he recovered from what I call the silent treatment, he prophesied about a sunrise from on high that will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, a few, few weeks from today, a tragedy is going to take place all across America, really, that many people will be celebrating the Christmas holiday without having received the gift of peace. Some don't know about it. Some think they have it when they haven't, really. Many others have simply rejected it. It's, it's the ugly scarf they're not interested in. They're celebrating Christmas without Christ, which is a terrible thing. I think the best, the only way to really celebrate Christmas is by walking with the Prince of Peace and embracing the peace that he gives us. There are two questions I'm going to try to answer this morning briefly concerning this gift of peace. What kind of peace is it that Jesus gives? And we'll look at John 14 for a while to answer that question. So you can start turning to John 14, Gospel of John, chapter 14. And the second question we will um, try to answer is, how, how do we receive this gift? How do we experience it? And, and for that answer, we will look at Romans 5, the first part of Romans 5. So John 14 and Romans 5 are kind of the two main passages uh, behind this message. In, in John 14, um, Jesus, of course, is teaching his disciples before the cross. And my main focus in that passage is, is toward the end, the, the closing verses of that passage. But first, I want to read the first six verses of John 14 and make a few comments on them. John 14, verse 1 says, I'm reading from the New King James this morning, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In these verses, Jesus is telling them, don't be troubled. Believe in me instead. 
And what you need to believe is that I am, I am carrying out a mission that will let you live with me in my father's house, same household, same father, which is a, a reconciliation that, that Jesus was, was carrying out here in his, his earthly ministry, a mission he was accomplishing that the Prince of Peace was going to make possible that we could live with the Father. Whoever believes the gospel, uh, this message here, whoever believes the gospel knows what he needs to know in order to not be troubled at heart uh, when earthly circumstances get scary, when he thinks about how often he has fallen short, or when he knows that he is going to die which is all of us. And this is the gift of of Christmas, really, this kind of peace, not being troubled in spite of of those things. Now let's go down to the end of John 14 and and look at uh, these few verses here. John 14, verses 25 through 27, Jesus talks more specifically about the peace that he's giving us. Verse 25 These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Now we're trying to answer the question, uh, what kind of peace is this? And, and these verses speak to that uh, very succinctly. They tell us three things about this gift of peace that Jesus is giving us. The first one is that it is not the world's version of peace. In the statement, not as the world gives, do I give to you, Jesus is making two implications. One is that, yes, the world does offer a version. And the second is that that version of peace the world offers is very flawed. It's lacking. You can't find a kind of peace in the world, but it's a fraud. I don't know if you've ever gotten a, a gift for Christmas that at first looked like it was going to be a really nice, helpful, whatever gift. And then as you actually got around to trying to use it, you realized this is not that great after all. That's kind of like the world's version of peace. Flimsy on close inspection. Because really the world has, has no answer uh, for the problem of, of guilt or the problem of fear. It, it doesn't have an answer. It offers plenty of distractions to keep you from thinking about those problems. It offers lies to persuade you that those really aren't problems, but it has no answer. And, and we Christians can kind of buy into uh, some of these offerings the world makes. Uh, we can prop up these things in our lives and, and start looking to them for, for peace um, and, and make, make our peace start to depend on them. That's, that's not real peace. That is kind of like believing in Santa Claus. It's not real whether we're talking about financial status, um, our social status, even the security of our country. Those are not the foundation of real peace. 
So the first thing we need to know about God's gift of peace is that it is not the world's version. The second thing we need to know about this peace is that it comes from Jesus alone. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Uh, This is not some kind of secondhand, off-brand version of peace. It's the real thing that only comes from the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the only one who can give us the kind of peace that, that he showed himself during his ministry. You remember the time that he was, uh, he was before Pilate, and, and Pilate said, Pilate was frustrated with him because he was not reacting to Pilate's questions. And Pilate says, don't you realize, you know, my, your future is basically in, in my hands. That wasn't true. And Jesus had peace. Uh, Jesus was the only one who could say, your faith has saved you, go in peace. That's, that's the peace he offers. It is a peace that's tougher than circumstances. And it has the peace that Jesus gives has at its core, it has the same foundation as the peace that Jesus himself had, which is being in harmony with the Father, being one with the Father. And whatever we're facing uh, being able to say that God is, is with us, God is with me. That's the version of peace that Jesus offers. And the third thing about this peace is that it brings courage in spite of circumstances. Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. A couple chapters later, uh, in, in more farewell messages, he says, these things I've spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. He acknowledges that. You have tribulation in the world, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Of course, Jesus himself was about ready to go through some serious trouble. Uh, But he knew that the outcome of it was was going to be a, a wonderful outcome, really. And in Christ, we also have an assured outcome. Uh, because he's stronger than anything we're going to face in, the, in this world. Um, the peace that he gives, it, it brings courage. It is not a sedative. It does not keep us from feeling pain or fear. Um, Jesus himself sweated drops of blood in the garden. Uh, he cried out on the cross. But, but the peace that he offers does bring courage in spite of, of uh, really painful or scary circumstances. As a crude analogy, I would, I would, I would say uh, take shots. I don't like shots. I, I really do not like having my skin pierced. I'm against it. Um, and no feeling of peace is going to change that. Now, maybe uh, experience would change it, but... I don't like them, but I'm confident that in spite of, um, of the, um, in spite of not liking a shot, I know that I'm not going to bleed to death. I know that it's probably going to be good for me. So even though I cringe, I find courage in spite of that minor circumstance. And, and in, a, in a far superior way, Jesus offers courage 
that allows us to have peace in spite of, of, of painful circumstances because we know what the eventual outcome is going to be. Jesus said, I will come again and receive you to myself. That is, that is the gift that, that we're celebrating, really, over Christmas. That kind of promise. Uh, God can always give His children peace no matter what circumstance we are in. At least that's what Paul seems to be saying in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. He says, May the Lord of peace Himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. Okay, so that's, that's an attempt, a brief attempt to, to kind of answer, encapsulate what this peace is that Jesus offers us, what this gift offers us. Now let's talk about what does it mean to experience it. How do we experience His peace? And you can turn to Romans 5. One of the things that, that troubles me <clears throat> is, is when I see a lot of worry or, or fear in my life, um, I, I do ask, I sometimes ask myself the question, am I really walking with the Prince of Peace? Um, and I think that is a valid question. I think it can make us look at um, what is important to me. What is the cause of this anxiety? And am I remembering who I'm walking with? How do we experience this peace? In, in Romans 5, John, uh, Paul has just finished reminding his readers how uh, Abraham's faith was credited to him for righteousness and how that truth holds true for us today. Now, in these first five verses of Romans 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. <clears throat> and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The line that I want to focus on here, uh, so we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, but then he says, we exalt in our tribulations. Some translations would put it, we glory in our sufferings, or we rejoice in our sufferings. That's, it's a very positive view of suffering. Uh, the kind of peace that Paul is talking about here is pretty tough, that he experienced it himself. And it is a very tough. This is not the world's version of peace that Paul's describing here. I think in these verses, we're trying to answer the question how do we receive? How do we experience this gift of peace? I think these verses uh, contain the answer, or part of the answer at least. And there are three things that I've picked out from these verses, for, three requirements for receiving this gift of peace. The first one is simply that we put our faith in Jesus. Paul says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. This, this is absolutely the first step toward peace. You, you don't get anywhere without this. And the thing that is different 
about the gift of peace that Jesus offered is that you don't just put your faith in Jesus, get what you need in exchange, and go on your merry way. You see, there's a, there's a couple different ways in which a gift can be given. Um, most of your gifts, let me describe the, the way most of our gifts are given. Um, we got a, let's say I, let's say I would give Sophie a, a, a doll for Christmas. We got a magazine in the mail a month or so ago, a catalog from a company that knows that we have a potential source of income in our household. It, it was an American Girl doll magazine catalog, and she got a hold of it, and it has kind of become a regular uh, nighttime reading or, or whatever before she goes to sleep. She looks at this thing. These advertisers know what they're doing. But, but if we would decide to get her a doll for Christmas, she's not even in here, so this doesn't really matter. If we would decide to give her a doll for Christmas, it would not be an American Girl doll, by the way. Um, the, it would be fairly simple how this, this is how most gifts work. You know, here it is, Merry Christmas, there you go. My involvement with this gift is over with at the point in which I have handed it off. It, that's kind of how most gifts work. You just, here you go, you're welcome. But the other way in which a gift can be given would be like this. Um, Chick-fil-A every so often has, has a father-daughter date night. I don't know if they still do this, but they've, they've done it before. And um, what if I would tell Sophie, you know, the next time, for Christmas, this is one of your gifts, the next time Chick-fil-A has a father-daughter date night, I'm going to take you to Chick-fil-A and we're going to go have a special date together, Chick-fil-A. Now that's a different different kind of gift. It's, it's one that she would only experience as I went with her. It's not something I just hand off, here you go. It's, it's something she experiences with me being part of it. And, and so one of the things I want to emphasize about this gift of peace that Jesus offers is it is not something like a box from Amazon that you, you just pass on to someone else. It's something we experience continually as we walk with the Prince of Peace. It's a continual experience, and it should be a continual experience. Remember that verse from John 16 that says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you have peace. In Jesus we have peace as we abide in him. In John 8, Jesus said, Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the, the, requirement, the first requirement for experiencing this gift of peace is that, is that we put our faith in Jesus and, and walk with him continually. Second requirement is believing that God works good. Uh, I want you to notice how confident Paul sounds in this passage. He says, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. He doesn't say, if I'm, if I, if I'm lucky, um, this is something good will come out of this. He's very confident, knowing that this tribulation will produce good character in me. This is kind of like the, the counted all joy passage in James, isn't it? James and Paul are, are saying something very similar. 
So it's important that we believe that, that God works good even when hard times come, that God still works good. Romans 8.28, of course, is, is a classic passage that talks about this. And it says, all things work together for, for good. And um, it is followed by this little phrase that I, I think we often kind of drop out of the quote or maybe don't memorize, which is this, that for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So when he's, he's talking about things working together for good, in the next breath he talks about being conformed to the image of his son. To me, that's saying that Paul's definition of good is becoming more like Jesus in Romans 8.28. So that's the second requirement. Believe that God works good. He is going to make us more like his son. The third thing is that we simply adopt his agenda, that we um, adopt God's agenda for our lives. And, and the biggest goal, one of the biggest goals God has for us is that we be transformed into the image of his son, which is, which is the whole point of being a disciple. And sometimes that transformation involves tests that we would rather do without. Now, in this, in this passage in Romans 5, it's pretty clear to me that Paul shares God's priorities. Uh, he could see personal suffering in, in a positive light because he knew that this growth in character was going to happen and because it was important to him. So I guess what I'm saying is, is, a, is a very... Um, basic truth, I think, that, uh, you know, you, you can put your faith in Jesus and you can know that hardships, yes, they are going to make me more Christ-like, but if you don't really want to be more Christ-like, if that is not terribly important to you, then you are not going to be a Christian who can rejoice in times of trouble. I don't think so. I don't know if you can be a Romans 5, 3 kind of Christian if, if becoming more like the Son of God is, is not just of utmost priority in your life. You know, and, and uh, of course, this speaks to me as, as much as anyone. Too often the things that get me bent out of shape are rooted in kind of a personal agenda that, of things that are important to me that maybe aren't such a big deal to God. Uh, let me give you an example. This goes back to 2008, actually, a few years back. A few years. I was wrapping up college. I was about ready to get married. And um, I joked about, I, I remember joking with somebody that, um, you know, wouldn't it be funny now, just as I'm about ready to get done with college and getting married, it'd be a perfect time for the economy to go in the tank, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be funny? Well, sure enough, it's one of those jokes that got a lot less funny with time as the economy kind of went in the tank. And so in the spring of 2009, um, I only had a couple classes left. It was really time for me to get serious about finding a, a software development job. So I started looking for different positions here in Lynchburg, applying for different um, jobs. And either they were, these people were not hiring, 
or they wanted somebody with three to five years of experience. I mean, it was just a real problem. And, and this went on for months, four or five months. It was a very frustrating, um, unpeaceful time of my life. And looking back, I realized a couple things about, about that phase of my life. Um, one, one thing that I realized is I wasn't really afraid that I was going to starve to death or that we were going to have to move into mom and dad's basement, although there are camel crickets in that basement. Last I checked, that's pretty scary. That was one thing I realized. I wasn't really worried about starving to death. Um, my, a major source of my anxiety was that I was afraid if I didn't get a job soon, I was going to look like a loser. I mean, that's, that's what I was feeling at that time. You know, you go through four years of college and you, you don't get a job. Yeah, what a waste of time. <clears throat> and, and, you know, that typically is one of my priorities is, is not looking like a loser. But it's not, I don't really know that that is one of God's priorities for my life. It's, it's a much bigger priority to me than it is for God, is at least what I sense. Uh, you know, what does that have to do with the fields are white with harvest, lay up treasures in heaven, becoming more like Christ? And, and you know, when I look back at that, that time of my life, I, I wish I could have been a little more mature. And I wish I could have found some more courage in the fact that, you know, this, this is, yeah, this is a tough time, but God's probably teaching me something through this time of my life. I don't know if he taught me anything or not. I hope he did. But when we have the same agenda as, as the Prince of Peace, uh, when our goals are his, then it relieves us from a lot of anxiety. Um, you know, my bank account, my, my lifestyle, my popularity, those things can take a hit. But if I have, have moved closer to what God wants me to be, um, that, can br that can be a source of, of courage in spite of whatever I'm going through. But if I let goals come into my life that are more important than becoming like Jesus, then my peace is always going to depend on on circumstances because pretty soon um, things will have to kind of work out as I envision that they need to work out and and you know I'll have this set of, of priorities in my life things have to be moving in that direction and what are the chances that they actually are going to work out like I want them to they're not going to and, and that's fragile it's it's very fragile uh, kind of peace it's when we start attaching ourselves to goals that really maybe are not God's goals for us. So receiving this gift of peace requires us to adopt his agenda that we want what he wants. Matthew 11, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So let's recap. What, what kind of peace is it that Jesus is offering us this Christmas, every day really? It, it's not the world's version of peace. It is not flimsy. It is a peace that only comes from Jesus. It brings courage in spite of circumstances. And we experience it by putting our faith in Him and walking with Him 
abiding in Him, believing that God can work good from our circumstances and by having the same agenda that God has. May God bless you as we receive the gift of peace this holiday.